0: Thanks for tuning in to the Move Mind podcast with me, your host, Harry Davis. Today's episode is all about drilling for jiu-jitsu. Is performing drills worth your time? How should you go about it correctly? Is it just a waste of time? Should you just spar? We're going to go through all these questions and dive a bit deeper into this idea of do drillers make killers or is it all just a load of shit? Let's clarify some terms to begin with. What do we mean by drilling specifically? Because it's a bit of a nebulous term. I'm not going to be referring to drilling as drilling for repetition's sake. These are the kind of drills you will have seen where somebody is lying flat on their back, their partner is standing in front of their legs, they have a light grip on their pants, their gi pants for example, and they're just doing side steps. 100 repetitions side to side to side to side throwing the legs a bit like they're doing kind of an x pass or a missile pass almost Torriando style side to side to side to side for hundreds of reps and then the coach or whoever's in charge shouts change and the other person lies down out of breath and then their partner goes i'm not talking about that kind of drilling i'd actually argue unless you're drilling like that for fitness sake cardiovascular purposes for conditioning there might be some merit to that but I still actually lean on the side of I think that's pointless I do actually think that's pointless that approach that's not what I mean by drilling what I mean by drilling is actually a far more expansive term the process of learning something from scratch all the way through to implementing it in competition successfully So it's actually quite a long path to this. (laughs) I don't know how long this episode is gonna take, but I'm gonna try and articulate methods that I've used, steps that I've used to incorporate moves that were not in my game at all, that I discovered or that were taught to me in class, all the way through to incorporating them at a competitive level. That's what I mean by drilling. So in that sense alone, drilling is very much worth your time, and drillers do make killers but in the sense of incorporating things into their game from scratch. I'm not talking about doing stupid pseudo techniques, almost butchered techniques, just for the sake of getting out of breath or for punishing your class, okay? So we're talking about incorporating something into your game that wasn't previously there in a way that you can actually recall and execute the move properly, efficiently, against a fully resisting opponent okay so stage one then stage one is to be exposed to the very move or technique that you are trying to implement you have to start with that okay so this could be in the format of you going to class and your professor teaches you the move or the technique Or this could be you sourcing out some information through an instructional outside of class time from a DVD or online, etc. Preferably from a reputable source and not just a, a nobody off YouTube. You've got to start with the technique in question. If it's coming from your professor and your professor is competing even better, you know it's legit. If it's coming from Gordon Ryan or Danaher or a world champion that's active or has a good track record, then it's legit. If you know how to analyse a source properly because you did navigating in the grey area, you can find stuff on YouTube that is legit and sift through the shit. But if you don't know how to do that, I wouldn't recommend YouTube as a first stage necessarily, or Instagram for that matter. If it's an instructional, I recommend you watch the entire instructional to get an overview of what's going on before you go any further. Or the entire chapter around the technique in question before you go any further. And try and work out the first principle of what's being taught from that chapter. Same with your instructor or your professor on the mats at class. When they teach you the technique and they demonstrate it, in your mind, try and boil that technique down to the first principle. So what does that mean? Let's take bottom half guard as an example, because bottom half guard is a position everyone should be good at. Beginner should spend a lot of time with and arguably you get into some variation of half guard in every role that you do what's the first principle basis for bottom half guard you could argue that the first principle for gi or no gi for bottom half guard is that you don't want to be flat on your back with your opponent on top of you flattening you down okay so whether we're looking at sweeps from bottom half guard, attacks from bottom half guard, even late stage upgrades to close guard or butterfly guard or whatever it is, you need to start from a position where you're not flat on your back for long periods of time. There are a couple of exceptions to that idea but in general you don't want to be flat on your back to get high levels of success from bottom half guard. Far better to be on your side. So you could argue whatever the technique was that you were being taught from bottom half guard, the first principle basis there was don't be flat on your back. Now, depending on what you're trying to learn, there might be a few first principles from the technique or the, the sequence or whatever it is you're trying to you're trying to learn. It might be as simple as sweep, get on top, and pass. That might be the kind of first kind of principle it takes a little bit of practice being able to boil down techniques into their first principle ideas a good way to think of this is if you're taught the move in gi ask yourself what are the principles to make this applicable for nogi to work in nogi in its purest sense in terms of pure physics what do i have to do to get this to work and vice versa if you're being taught the move in no no-gi, ask yourself what would i have to do to get this to work in gi So sweeps, for example, are usually boiled down to the first principle of off-balancing your opponent and removing their ability to base out successfully. And because they can't base out successfully, they're swept. So stage one is just try and boil down what you're trying to achieve into its first principle basis. And there might be a few of them. Stage two. You want to isolate the movements required to perform the technique or the move and make sure you can perform those movements solo, okay? So if the move in question requires you to invert but you don't know how to gramby roll or invert, you should probably go and practice that first So to ensure that you can do it in the move. If you're learning how to wrestle up, From the bottom position to create a takedown opportunity you probably want to make sure that you can shin box and get from a seated to a standing or seated to a kneeling to a standing position efficiently on your own first before you try and do it in sequence or in in the technique that you're you're learning stage three now you want to practice the move in question slowly with a training partner without any resistance at all and you want to try and narrate the coaching points or the teaching points, either in your head or out loud, to make sure that you're performing the move as mechanically efficiently as possible, without any muscle, without any excess force, so that the technique is sound and efficient. And just make a point of saying to your partner, okay, I'm just gonna do this with no resistance first. And if you've done that correctly, with a bit of luck, you will have pulled off the the move against someone who's compliant with no resistance and then you stage four you're going to ask your partner for feedback you're going to ask them if it felt efficient if it felt tight or if the sh- the choke felt strong or whatever it was if it feel like it worked from their perspective if you are unsuccessful you're just going to repeat that stage until it is successful so you're just going to go back to repeating the move without resistance until your partner can kind of agree and feel like it was working And then stage five, you're going to repeat with a little more resistance from your partner. So if you're trying a sweep, now they might try and put 50% resistance and just try and keep their balance just a little bit more than being fully compliant, for example. And then stage six, you're going to ask for feedback again. Ask them questions like, what would you do next? Or did that feel like it knocked you off balance, for example, if it was a sweep? And you can kind of repeat stages three to six as much as you need to until you feel competent in the execution of the movement. This, if anything, is what drilling for repetition should be. You literally just need to repeat those stages until you are competent in the move itself, with the prerequisite movements built into the move. So if it's a hook sweep from bottom supine guard against a standing opponent, you are competent at the point where you can perform this on them with a little bit of resistance and finish the sweep in a standing position. You've got it. You don't need to do loads more reps in that fashion anymore. That, in fact, will be detrimental. You've got the movement in its most basic form. You understand the movement and the move, the technique, in its first principle basis. You understand what you're trying to achieve. A sweep is usually, you know, go from a bottom position to a top position in its most basic form. Now it's to try and do the move against resisting opponents, but with reduced parameters. So that takes us to stage 7 which is arguably where most of the learning is going to take place where most of the real discovery and sort of deep learning is going to take place and that is positional sparring with the most relevant position to the technique that you're working on so for example if you're working on the hook sweep from bottom supine position against a standing opponent your positional sparring might be starting in reverse delaheva or it might be starting in delaheva and your parameters and rule set for that positional sparring is for you to sweep and come up on top and for your training partner to pass guard. And it's in doing these positional sparring rounds where you're really gonna discover if you're on point or not. Hopefully your mechanics are sound, but now it's just about setting it up and masking your intentions in order to pull it off against a resisting opponent. But positional sparring is the time to do this. How long should you spend on the positional sparring? Well, on a micro scale, usually two or three minute rounds are enough to really hone in on what you're trying to do. And they can be quite exhausting to begin with because you're inefficient usually. And then if you zoom out a little bit on a more macro scale, a couple of times a week, at least once a week, doing this will start to build the competency around executing that technique. If you can do it twice a week often, that's a, that's a great baseline to start incorporating even more if you, if you can. And as a little tip, you can communicate with your training partners when it's normal sparring, usually in the second half of class, and ask them if you can start, in this previous example, in Reverse de la Riva, for example, and in your mind, try and execute a hook sweep as the start of your sparring rounds. That way you're getting almost like a positional sparring benefit in an open sparring round, but you have created the parameters and just communicated that with your training partner, if that's okay, before you begin. So positional sparring is where most of the learning is going to take place. Stage eight, you're actually going to go and analyze your performance in those positional sparring rounds for successes and failures. Now, one way to do this that's really easy is using a camera footage will show you quite clearly a lot of things. But even just you can take mental stock after your positional rounds. It's usually when I on the drive home that I do this. Where your successes and failures were with the move that you were trying to pull off. Did you get the setups right? If we're taking hook sweep for example, did you mask your intentions of doing the hook sweep? Did you get your opponent moving first With various kazushis before you took the sweep did you come up and finish the sweep in a solid position did you come up and finish the sweep in a solid position and pass guard out of it or end up in a submission from the sweep even better so stage eight is about analysis and again there's almost like a feedback loop here based on the analysis you can go and repeat stage seven with the positional sparring as much as you want until your success rate goes up but you have to be honest with the analysis part which is where the camera can help, feedback from your training partners can help, and if you're lucky enough to have a professor that can watch you doing this, you can ask them for their input, obviously, as well. And then stage nine is free sparring. So you're now gonna take this, this move that you've been positionally sparring into the free sparring rounds, and you're gonna try and pull it off with the right setups, with the right execution, and you're just gonna implement it into sparring you're also then going to analyze that sparring in exactly the same way that you analyze the positional sparring okay so you're going to bring that move into the sparring rounds and then you're going to analyze it honestly and see if it's working and then stage 10 is you're going to then take it to competition and test it against a fully resisting opponent that really doesn't want you to do to do the, that move on them by this point the move is implemented into your game if you're already executing this move constantly inspiring with great success it's time to take it to competition to really pressure test it but by that point it's already a part of your game i've used these stages with great success to get me to where i am as a purple belt today and you can see just from the breakdown of these stages that it's it's nebulous just to call it drilling there's a lot more to this than just what people think of normally as drilling this is more Applying learning how to learn to jujitsu in an extracurricular way that incorporates various levels of practicing and deliberate practicing along the way, along with analysis, feedback loops, and communication, and sort of open source input. So there's a lot to it, but it, it really works. I first had my brains blown open and the light bulb moment with all this when a friend and I. Spent about six weeks doing position study, as we called it, twice a week for about 45 minutes to an hour each session. So let's say for argument's sake, two hours a week we spent extra curricular time on studying Ashigarami, straight Ashigarami, for about six weeks. By doing that, just the study of the position, understanding the theory, the first principles of it, the structure, the technique, etc. We took it into free sparring, not even positional sparring, we took it into free sparring. And we're just annihilating all our training partners with it, much to their surprise. That was when I was a blue belt and I first realised the power of doing this kind of deeper learning approach to incorporating new things into my game. I didn't have an Ashigarami game at all or Single Leg X. But by doing this, I started to incorporate it and it worked with great success. Ever since then, I've been applying this method to instructionals for the most part, but also stuff that I've been taught in class to help incorporate into into my game and try and make my game more well rounded and I'm now applying the same thing with Gi since starting Gi in October. So give it a go, see how you get on. I'm super open to this this process being updated and sort of adjusted to make it the best process possible. This is an amalgamation of trial and error over a few years on how to do this. I find this works really well, you have to be quite patient and consistent but the rewards will speak for themselves. The beauty of really diving into stage one clearly and discovering the first principles about what you're trying to do is that when it comes to free sparring you can usually execute a sub-par version of your move which is not great, but you can execute it and kind of get away with it sometimes simply because you understand the first principles of what you're trying to achieve So even if you're a bit foggy in the execution points or the coaching points on how to do this technique you can still pull off even perhaps a slight variation of it because you understand the first principles if you understand first principles you can generate heuristics and if you can generate heuristics you can often recall information at a much faster rate under pressure than without so it's definitely worth starting there i've like i said had great success with this i'm continuing to use this model outside of class time this helps shape my, my game, my, my, sort of my own kind of syllabus with what works with my anatomy. Very often, you're not blessed with a coach that has the same anatomical proportions as you. So they will teach a game that was worked for them. And although the first principles of their game will work for everybody, perhaps the, the nuances and the, and the subtleties in the way that they teach it works better for other people in the class that are of the same body type. And you might have to now go away and explore... On the first principles basis how to then incorporate those moves for yourself and get them working for you and this is a method that you can do that the responsibility is a bit more on your shoulders it's a bit more self-directed it's a bit more open source perhaps but it's just as powerful and with the wealth of information out there from world champions now you can really dive into this approach and, and get something from it so let me know how you get on with it if you've got any questions please ping them over to at move mind in relation to this idea around drilling for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and pass it along to anyone that you think that might find it useful. Uh, I'll catch you next time.